0: All right, welcome into the Growler. Paul Dana Jr. and Jay Morrison of the Athletic uh, are here with you. We are we are about one week away from finally kicking off the 2020 season. One that we didn't know if it would come or when it would or how long it will be, which is still a TBD, I guess, but we're almost there. And I think everybody definitely feels like week one's gonna happen. That's a good start. It's definitely better than what a lot of people maybe thought a long time ago. So good to see that we are where we're at. We have a lot to get into today. Uh, We have Joe Mixon's contract, um, and we want to talk about that decision, what the contract looks like. Um, We talked a lot about how much this will be about structure, so we want to dive into that and, and the decision the Bengals made there. We have roster decisions, obviously, um, the, you, some of these may be made by the time you listen to this is a lot of the cutdown will be happening on Saturday afternoon as they typically do. But some of these guys get out early as we've already seen a few happen yesterday. Uh, so we're going to, but we're talking some of the toughest decisions there, what that means. Uh, we have a run, passer boot about waiver wire, which I expect the Bengals to be pretty active on, uh, or at least want to be active on. Uh, we have a good growler bet for you. I think that Jay has worked very hard on. Challenging my math skills <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, no decimals though
0: no decimals, but uh a lot of a lot of variables on in that was so that's that's coming up too also we solved we have a thanks to the mix and deal we have a previous growler bet not growler bet uh run passer boot solved right because we had when will mix and sign was a previous run passer boot I do believe jay
1: I think it was when will we see him. On the field, and it was going to be the the weeks the weeks leading up to practice, the first game or after the first game. Yes,
0: we all. But we also had the the podcast after Duke went glowingly on and on about Mixon. I think we had a when we because we thought he'd sign his deal the next day. Clearly, they were yes. they were trying to get close at that point, and I think that it was foreshadowing, but maybe it just took a little longer um, than everybody thought. But uh, So anyway, let's talk about Joe Mixon. Um, I've got my thoughts, that, and many of them are already out. Uh, you can read them. Uh, I, I wrote about the Mixon deal, my thoughts on the Mixon deal, and the risk the Bengals took um, up on the site. Jay, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean <laughs> –
1: you, as easy as it is to to look at the the macro and and just go nameless faceless players and numbers and stats and and all that, it it doesn't it doesn't make a lot of sense. But you can't do that. It's still a people business, and the, you know Duke's quote was dead on how this thing played out when we talked to him back in early August, where he said we don't look at the position, we look at the person, and if, if you're going to extend a guy, Joe Mixon is that guy. You've written about this. You've talked about this, how, how proud he's been to be a Bengal when, when not even Bengals fans were proud to be Bengal fans. Um, his enthusiasm, just what he means in that locker room. Um, just the, the, the genuine appreciation that his teammates have for him. Uh, it, it just, like you said in your column, both sides came out winners on this. Okay. I do wonder what Joe was thinking yesterday when Ryan Kelly from right here in Cincinnati at Lakota West High School got his contract extension, uh, a center, and he got four years, 50 million. He got 2 million more than Joe. That kind of shows you um, where, where the value is in offensive linemen versus running backs. This wasn't the so many times when you see these stars sign their contract, they they reset the, the market and, and they become the highest paid at their paid at their position. Um, and that wasn't the case here. It was it was a good deal for Joe. It was a good deal for the team. Um, and I have to say I'm on board with it again. I, it, you, you just look at the numbers and take the faces and personalities all that out. It doesn't make a lot of sense. But but knowing what Joe is in that locker room and knowing what this organization is and how they need a guy like that, and just the fact that you're going to have Joe Mixon and Joe Burrow in the same backfield for the next presumably five years. Um I I I, I do support the decision, the way it the the way the contract played out.
0: There is an attitude and a confidence and a swagger about this offense when Joe Mixon is going. I, I will there is no doubt, you know, when he runs and knocks a guy over, or slips past somebody and gets up and pounds his chest and drops the ball, and people gravitate towards it. Um, it, it, it makes the offense as a whole play harder, and makes the offensive line block hard. You you sense that. I mean, there's just a different feel to the offense. There has been when Mixon is rolling. There just is and it's it is I think it's an attitude and a confidence that Zach Taylor wants this offense to have, and that the Rams when they were at their best, and we we can really dive into that analogy here with Todd Gurley, but when they were really at their best did have Todd Gurley going, and then you know you get into a playoff run and you know they don't they don't win in the Super Bowl and they did you know there's there's a lot of different reasons why um but there's It's it. There is something to this offense needing the confidence and a swagger about the run game to work. I I, I am on board with that. I'm on board with him as a locker room guy. I'm in board. I think Mo had a great column about this about a week ago, um, where he said if this is if this is who Zach Taylor wants to build the culture, then I support the decision to pay him. Absolutely. And, I, and I, I buy that. Like, if that's what Zach Taylor wants, we don't, by the way, don't know for sure this is what Zach Taylor wanted. We, I mean, we don't. I mean, he's saying the right things. Um, we're under assumption that there is certainly a, a connection that, where they're supposed to be in lockstep uh, with Duke Tobin in the front office. But we know the front office likes to pay their running backs. They like their running backs. They like old school football. Right. And this is the new school coach, the new school staff um, that experienced Todd Gurley. And you wonder, you know, how much of there was like, all right, I'm on board. And how much of it was, I'm on board. We don't we don't know that. We're not in the room where it happened. Right. Um, so I, I'm I'm fine with that that, that, that being the way it is. And I think for the next couple of years, it um, you certainly feel comfortable with, you know, uh, young Joe Mixon going out there, and, and you hope continuing to be a similar type of guy that he has been. Um, I am happy you mentioned Ryan Kelly. This is what the smart teams do. They pay the guys up front. Look at the Colts. And and great, right, people say, what are the Colts want?" Well, we'll see what they win with Philip Rivers this year. Um, you build on the line. The Colts have extended and given big contracts to top offensive linemen across the board. been the first thing they've wanted to do. They've invested Quentin Nelson, Costanzo, now Ryan Kelly, first-round picks, big extensions, right? Plow, that is, that's, what, that's the alternative to this because this, this is the thing. So if we're going to look at Joe Mixon's contract, and, we're, and, and we'll do that here in a, in a second. Are you going to be given $10 million a year to your running back or to your right tackle? Because the only problem I have with this is if they just decided to give it to their running back because they need a right tackle. (laughs) Do you want Joe Mixon and Bobby Hart or do you want insert 2021 draft pick and real right tackle? You know, did they just make that decision? I don't know. There's lots of outs on other guys they can move on from next year. Carlos Dunlap has a lot of money that can come off. Bobby Hart has a lot of money that will come off if they let him go. Giovanni Bernard, who if you just invested in Joe Mixon... I don't know if they'll move on from Bernard. They love him as a person. Talk about building a locker room. Um, but has money that can save you for, they can, they can save almost $25 million off of next year's cap just by those three moves alone with very, very minimal dead money. So theoretically, you can churn the roster next year and still fill your other holes and keep mixing. They have lots of money. I think if you look at it through that view, they're saying we'll have plenty of money to fix the problems we want. Yes. Then then this is fine. The question is we'll see. <laughs> we'll see if they have that money and if you still are saying well we got tr- we don't have enough to go get a real right tackle or a real right guard or whatever that is. Um then you regret what you paid to Joe Mixon. That's that's it. I mean that's the only thing about this that that you have that, that there is inherent risk in and that's what I tried to say in my column was that's where the risk lies is will you have Enough money to go out and do it, and theoretically, you will because you have the Joe burrow contract, you have the rookie q b so there's all of those elements sort of play into I think why you're probably okay with it, but there's definitely a risk in it, and it's not it's not one oh one man for for roster building these days in in a twenty twenty football world, this is not roster building one oh one it's how to screw it up in a lot of ways, but um if you're just again looking at it as nameless faceless numbers,
1: yeah, one thing about that is. If they were looking for a left tackle, it would be a whole lot different than a right tackle. You've got Jonah on a on a very affordable rookie contract they they love him they think he's gonna be the guy so what well, even the best like the most optimistic guesses for the Bengals this year are what around eight and eight nine and seven so you're picking middle of the pack if that's the case you can still get a really good rookie Tackle in in the middle of that first round. Now, who knows? It's it's always a crapshoot when you draft those guys. But it's it's not like they've totally put themselves behind the the eight ball there to to get a right tackle. Yes, they they may have trouble landing a a big name in free agency but that's a that's a decent fallback to be able to grab one in the first round um, the other thing what you said about the colts is what have they won that the question isn't what have they won it's what have they lost because they ignored the offensive line for so long yeah. and andrew luck got crushed and he retired at the top of it that's what they lost by not having an offensive line Correct. so yes the, the value is there that you need to invest in that offensive line um the the Bengals haven't done that in in a long time, but they've got the luxury of Jonah Williams. They 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 did pay Trey Trey Hopkins at the end of last year, so that is going to need to be the focus going forward. You you wonder where they're going to find the money, but I still I, I I still am on board. There is risk, but I'm still on board with the the mix and deal just because of everything I laid out before.
0: Yeah. And there's, I mean, it's not like we're just talking about, you, you, the luck point is perfect. It's the last, it's the, it's the nightmare scenario. The nightmare scenario is getting nothing out of Joe Burrow because you didn't protect him. And, and we've been talking about that since, well, for a year now. But, and 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 it's 100% true. And it, and it's, you know, people say Joe Burrow wants the comfort of a running game. Yeah, well, the comfort of a, people that misunderstand the comfort of a running, back com, running game comes from the offensive line. That's the problem. It's, there's, a, there's a disconnect there. Yes, Joe Burrow needs the comfort of a running game. That's why they need better players on their line. Like that's <laughs> you know, it's not about uh, you know, Joe Mixon ain't gonna mess make guys miss in, in the in the backfield. If you, if if the scheme is bad and the guys are wrong, it's gonna look bad. Just like it did what the first half of last year, right? I mean, if it's not if you if it's not working, Joe Mixon can't fix it. Only the line can go out and fix it. Only the scheme can go out and fix it. And maybe they're on something. They were better in the second half. We'll see. Um, but how much of that was Joe Mixon and how much was that the coaches and the line working together to understand how to open up holes for him? Let's look at this contract real quick. And, and the structure is important to remember. Um, and none of these guarantees are confirmed. This is basically off a rap sheet. Um, but if you look at it, where you're happy... It, If you're the Bengals, yeah, it's a lot. It sounds like a lot of money, but it's not. Um, In terms of the structure, buys you some flexibility, so they have a chance after two seasons to get out of this, having paid him two years, twenty and a half million dollars, and they'd have to take on six million in dead cap money. That's kind of a nightmare scenario. Joe Mixon blows his knee out in the opener against the Chargers or something. You know, one of these type things. you you've got you're gonna have to. I mean, he's he's gonna have to get that twenty after two years, um, and if he's not, not just not the same guy entering the 2022 season, you're you're you know that's a big it's a big hit to take for the Bengals on a dead cap spot, not something that they typically like to do. But if you say, hey, we took the chance, we paid two years twenty and a half million to Joe, to Joe Mixon, taking the chance, um, you can probably live with that, um, and then. You get into the next year. You've got outs where you know you're still not quite right. You're you're still taking on um, a, a decent cap hit. Really, we're talking about these last two years. So you three years. Pretty likely we're going to see Joe for three years. After that, the fourth year, um, you know they're gonna. You're you're talking about. You know, not having much to worry about. The, the third, fourth year, you're talking about a one, two million. Um, you know, you're saving a ton in the cap, and then the last year, the 2024 year is a club option. That's really, to me, a key to this deal. It's if you want to take his age 28 season off the table, you do it. And that that 27 has kind of been, if you look historically, and there are many, many graphs that will tell you all about this. Um, you really see the depreciation once you get to that age 27 season and beyond. Um, you know, I dove deeper into this in my story a couple months ago about Mixon and the history of, of guys that have had his workload in the early years and his workload and success and what that's looked like really definitely after that sixth season. I mean, that's your last hope. It seems like a lot of times outside of the total freaks, the LaDainian Tomlinson's of the world. Um, there's only a few of them that have done it. Um, it's going to go downhill. We'll see how this one plays out, but they did leave the subs out and that club option is big. So really what you're talking about is Joe Mixon for this season, the 2021 season. And unless things have went totally haywire, he probably sticks around through that potential out. And then 2022, 2023, you're making decisions. So he's 27 after that club option. If you want it, I, you know, I have a feeling they probably won't. There's, if you're what would you put a percentage chance on that they keep that club option today if you had to put a number on it? Ten percent, yeah, yeah, that sounds about right. I'll do that ten percent,
1: yeah, and it's not a knock on who Joe is as running back. It's just the the money goes up so much at the end and and we know how much running backs depreciate, and it just it, you're that's just told that is just totally playing. The odds and the numbers, and, and looking at this as a, a nameless, faceless situation, it's just it, it it's hard to imagine any running back would still be at the same level, uh, f- what four or five years from now that they are right now, and that's even if you're talking it's a rookie coming in, and this isn't a rookie. Joe's been here; this is his fourth year or his third year. So yes, it's fourth. This will be his fourth season. This is his fourth. Yeah, correct. Yeah. Um, and. It, it just it doesn't make sense that that he will still be the same guy in 2024.
0: That's kind of a look at the mixing thing. I mean we've we've talked about it ad nauseum, the pros and the cons. The bottom line is for this year, I think it it makes the 2020 Bengals better, and and maybe that's all that matters right now for uh, the franchise, and, and that's good. And hey, cut Zach Taylor a break for once. Like this dude, like it ain't being pretty, and he's had. Just distraction after distraction after obstacle off the field thrown at this guy. Finally, he gets a chance to have one where it feels for right now they're kind of clean of distractions in this moment. Everybody knock on wood if you're a Bengals fan. But it's like this was the last one hanging out there. Migraines, quote unquote, were happening and all that was going on. People were talking a lot about there was a thing, just another thing. Um, But now it feels... He's kind of got a clean slate. He's got the players he wants. He's got his quarterback. You know, he just had that whole no preseason or offseason thing. But outside of that, it feels like you're finally going to get a chance to really see. And 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 there, you know, there's just no excuses left. So for the 2020 Bengals, Zach Taylor, this is a good thing. And and you know, with the Bengals like that, short term look too. So maybe that's. Cool. All right, Jay. Let's take a brief break, and we'll be back with the rest of the show. Jay, you have the uh, fifty-three out now. Your projected fifty-three. This will come to fruition this weekend. Um, what do you make of the what? What was the toughest decision in your mind for the fifty-three?
1: Um, I. I have really debated whether they would keep Dolagala on there or not, and I just I just I just can't justify it with what you would you would have hoped there would have been a bigger jump from last year to this year and there just hasn't. And you know, maybe part of that is the fact that there was no off season, so he didn't get a chance to throw with on the field, but it's it's like that battle at right tackle. We really thought that this was going to be a, one of the best camp battles between Bobby Hart and Fred Johnson and with right behind that being Ryan Finley and Jake Dolagala and neither one of them played out. So, um, I, I went with just two quarterbacks. Um, a, a, another big question I have, you know, last year they only kept the three running backs. Uh, this year, you know, will they do the same or will they go four? And I, I went ahead and put all four of them on there. Um, I just, I think Samaj P. Ryan and Travion Williams are, are pretty valuable on special teams. Um, so, th- so I, I, I went four there. Other than that, it was, it was really, you know, pr- pretty cut and dry, I thought. Um, the, the, the one question, the final spot was, was at um, at linebacker, the number 53 spot. And is, you know, do they, do they keep a guy? like Austin Calitro around and, and go with six linebackers um, or do they, do they look elsewhere and, and put an extra defensive lineman on there? And and I went ahead and kept Calitro again, great special teams value and, you know, you mentioned when when we we kind of talked this over how he's already been claimed off waivers twice. The Jaguars did it once, went after Cleveland cut him, and then the Bengals did it after the Jaguars cut him. And there were so the, multiple
0: claims for him in that yes. process. Like they weren't the only team, just because he went. I mean, the, teams like what he brings on special teams.
1: Yeah. And so the, you, you have to feel that he would be a guy that you would be in danger of losing if you tried to sneak him to the practice squad. So that was kind of the reason for going for him, go, you know, keeping him on there at the number 53 spot. Um, and then a, a, important to remember too that, you know, Trey Waynes is going to make this 53 and then he's going to immediately go on IR and they're going to one of those guys that they cut or someone that they can pick up off the waiver wire will we'll be on the roster on Sunday. So whatever the 53 looks like on Saturday is not what it's going to look like on Sunday.
0: No, this year in particular, there is going to be a lot of maneuvering and strategy. And you know, I just think it's going to, you're right. It's going to be so much more this year about how can we stash everyone with the ability to have 16 players on the practice squad and the six guys with any experience, I mean, everyone's trying to figure out how to stash, and and no preseason means these guys who were particularly undrafted free agents. You got to feel like you can get just about any undrafted free agent through. You know, I mean, who's going to pick up an undrafted free agent if they weren't drafted? You know, and you didn't see him play in the preseason. Who's going to go out and be like, "Yep, definitely better than what I got on my team." Like, and I don't. I just don't see that. Um, it's possible, but if he gets picked up on waivers, that means he's got to go into someone's 53. You know, and So now maybe some guys will say, I don't want to be stashed here. I'm burnt by the fact I didn't really feel like I got a shake. I don't really have a, as good a chance I thought I would have. I'm going to go to someone else's practice squad. That's a risk, and that's part of it. But most guys, especially this year, are going to just stay where they're at. You know, just stay here. It's only going to be a matter of time. The up and down between the PS and the and the active roster can happen at any point in time. And if you are in somewhere and you know the system and they have invested in you enough to keep you around and use whatever they used on you, like staying home is the way to go. So really, to me, you know, you got to figure you can get most of those guys through. Um, and, I, you know, one thing I will say and, you know, Jay, you did this one. I did one. Earlier. There's a there's a few that maybe I would differ on, or, or different things that I would consider, and maybe they are. I think I do think they eventually end up with nine or ten defensive linemen. Mm-hmm. I just I just don't think any of these guys are it. You know, maybe Monty Bledsoe is a guy that is better than we've realized, and that they've picked up. You know. Um, But there's eight that are that seem real, and then there's just uh, and I feel like you're gonna look at the waiver wire, and they're gonna like one or two guys that show up on the waiver wire on the defensive line. That feels like a spot, or even a guy who is a, a cap casualty, you know, free agent type. Maybe they could convince to come in here and and be part of a rotation on the edge with Dunlap and Hubbard and Lawson, and maybe if to give Kareem more time. But really I wonder about Marcus Bailey. I don't I don't know like are you going to keep six linebackers? That, I mean they're never going to have more they're almost never going to have more than two linebackers of that group on the field at one time. You know, you've got nickel or you've got their base which is this the funky 3-4 which is your edge guys standing up, your Hubbard and Dunlap or Lawson standing up on the edge and then your two guys in the middle. I wonder it, you know is Bailey going to is because if you got a 7th round pick, what are the odds someone's going to see Marcus Bailey, who was a 7th round pick, the whole league passed on him 6 times, and want to add him to their to their 53? What are the odds of that? I mean, that might be a chance better. I mean, certainly a better chance he gets to your practice squad than Kalitro. And I don't know that he's active week 1 anyway. I don't know that ADG is active week 1. If you keep... Yeah, I- I mean, if you're keeping four, how many how many linebackers are you gonna have active on game day on your forty-seven or whatever it is now?
1: Well, you can go forty-eight um now, yeah. but the, I, I think there's a good chance that Bailey would get claimed because he would have been a, a high draft pick if not for the knee injuries and he he was ready for the start of camp. You know, teams don't see what he they don't see the practice tape, but they know he's out there and running healthy. And then the other thing is I don't know if the Bengals are going to take that chance because they they don't know who's the guy yet. They've been they've been putting these guys shuffling them in and out and and they're trying to figure out who's the best you know of those three rookie linebackers right now. Maybe Logan Wilson and and Davis Guyther are ahead of Bailey right now but they're not so far ahead that you want to take that risk of of putting a guy like Marcus Bailey on waivers. Um I, I just I think they do. I think they keep all three. And uh I went back and looked the last time that every single draft pick made the 50 the initial 53 was 2016. Um which that really that would that's going to be the case except for Marcus Bailey. He is, I would say, the one question, but in in my mind he's not a question. I, I think you have to keep that guy just because you don't he could be the best of the 3 you don't you you can't say that he's not at this point
0: yeah i mean but at the you know the and the other problem is is at the expense of a waiver wire pickup i mean you know maybe it, to me he's one of those that if if you see a bunch of stuff show up on the waiver wire and we they've been pretty open about we've got this number one we'd like to use it Maybe it's not the best year to have it because you can't watch guys and have that tape from the preseason, but I'll give you a perfect example that was released Monday morning. Tampa Bay released uh I can't pronounce his last name Daria Goule. He had like he was a special team's captain as the, at the back of their running back room with 390 special team snaps. You know what you're not getting enough of out of your third running back here or your fourth running back here? Special teams contribution will Travion P Ryan. I mean, those guys in that battle back there, have just, they're just not, they're not dynamic on special teams. Darren's not loving them. If you could go get a guy and you know, maybe Travion Williams goes, or maybe Samaj P Ryan goes, and you know, you can bring a guy who could, was a special teams captain darren is in love with that from that that's a that's something you want you have Gio and joe i mean travion couldn't even get a carry last year so your third running back eh, better be doing something for you that's special teams Uh, something like that happens and then another defensive lineman pops off that you really liked his draft tape and suddenly you're looking for who are we going to boot and i think marcus bailey could be one of those first guys that you would um on that, in in that in that type of a, a situation, which brings us to a good speaking of boots, run passer boot. What you, you've got, you've got a run passer boot. It's how many waiver wire pickups will the Bengals make? Zero, one, or two? Zero, one, or two plus? Two plus, yes. Okay, so what? <clears throat> I, I have, I have mine. What do you got?
1: Well, you almost have to go with one because they're going to have that open spot with trey waynes now they could pull someone you know some of one of their own players that they cut, pull him back but it just feels like having that number one pick and then i did the math i had it in a story and i can't remember what it was but basically 27 players times 32 teams that's like 800 well feasibly 800 players if a guy has four more years of experience and he's not on waivers, but there's going to be a lot out there uh, to pick from. So one seems like I'm going to boot zero. I just, there's no way that happens. Um, I, I think they will go two or more, um, a defensive lineman and then maybe two defensive linemen, but a defensive lineman and somewhere else. So I'm going to, I'm going to run with two or more. I'll pass on one and I'll boot zero. If
0: we change this to three, two, and one, I would boot one. I, hmm. I, th- I would, I would probably, probably run with three. I'd, I'd probably even run. I, I would run with maybe two, and then pass on one and boot, or pass on two and boot one. Yeah, I just, I just, I, I think three is certainly in play here. I, I would be stunned if it was nobody. but I would just be stunned. Yeah. I mean, I just the number one waiver wire the idea that there's nobody they think could improve i look i look at the back of this roster when you look at go through these predictions it's a great when you do it this time of year i think you get a really good feel for depth the back of this roster has depth issues man there's there I, I see a whole lot of meh in the back of this roster that i'd rather bring in somebody else and take a chance on um you know especially like we mentioned defensive line slot corner I mean, are we Tory McTire? Are we team Tory McTire around here?
1: Uh not from what I've seen.
0: <laughs> I just you know what I'm saying? Like I just feel like right. there's a lot of spots where you could bring in somebody with some upside um to fill in the back of that maybe uh that you liked. Um that's all. Uh, that's all I'm saying. I I just I just think there's a lot that you could probably improve on and when you have the number one choice, you know, Especially, you know, they lost Clayton Fedulum last year, so somebody like Dare, who has special teams value, they're still looking for those guys that can come in and keep special teams, be important to uh, assistant head coach Darren Simmons, by the way. Um, <laughs> let's not forget the uh, bump <laughs> in title. Uh I'm just saying that that type of stuff, I think, plays.
1: Was Dare, was he the... Uh, corresponding move for Fournette or did they let him go even? yes yeah, I mean, basically okay. he's
0: the reason he's gone because they decided to sign Fournette yeah but I mean this is, special teams captain is a deal I mean that's a thing okay I don't care where in this league you're playing it you can be you can have great special teams and still lose a lot of games 2020 <clears> Bengals 20 <laughs> uh, but You but it's still important. It's still important. It's still something that there's value to, particularly at the back of your running back room. So something like that, something like a defensive end, something like maybe even a linebacker. I mean, there's just a lot of positions I think that could creep up that you could see them adding to, and and that would make a lot of sense, particularly those with team's value. All right, let's take a quick break here. I want to remind you: look, fantasy football draft season is upon us. Let's do a quarantine. It's very possible you might have Zeke's haircut in your pants. So our partners at Manscaped partner with us to make sure you don't gamble on shaving the same way you like to gamble on football. That means you need Manscaped. Good, safe. Lawnmower 3.0 is the best hygiene tool for the modern man because of the ceramic blade and skin safe technology. Your nicks and snags will be reduced. Now that should be a relief. Uh, just released their Shears 2.0 nail kit which is the perfect add-on to their Lawn Mower 3.0. And they have the Crop Preserver. It's an anti-chafing ball deodorant. The Crop Reviver. It's a spray-on toner. It's made with soothing aloe and witch hazel extracts. Ooh, sounds soothing. And you can get 20% off in free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC. 20 at manscaped.com that's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code the athletic 20 it's time to boost your hygiene with manscaped okay this is a great chance for us to dive i want to bring in mark caboli uh from pittsburgh who is always fun to talk to but i you know this year i think everybody wondering what's going on with ben roethlisberger right how's he look does he have a beard is he skinny is he fat Is his arm falling off? Does his arm have like its own little wheelchair thing, you know, that he just rolls around on? Like, what is happening in Pittsburgh? Bengals fans might not like the answer. Here's my conversation with our Pittsburgh writer, Mark Caboli. All right, our second stop on our tour of the AFC North is uh, going to one of uh, one of our, our favorite people to talk to because there's always something interesting happening in Pittsburgh. Not as interesting as it used to be. Uh, it used to be far more interesting, but we're we'll bringing in Mark Caboli over on the Pittsburgh side. Mark, how are we doing?
2: Pretty good. Pretty good, Paul. You know what I've noticed when we do some of those ASC North Whiparounds people in Cincinnati do not like me for some reason judged by the comments so um, <laughs> I don't really care but to uh, find it kind of uh, entertaining yeah no yeah they, uh,
0: they I think anybody that's coming in trying to talk about anything Pittsburgh is going to get the same response they do seem to enjoy uh, getting shots in on you it won't stop me it won't, I like you <laughs>
2: you must have been hanging around me much
0: then <laughs> no the, the 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 reasons maybe they don't like you is the reason I do i i it's always it's always blunt and uh and and that's what i appreciate which is the the main reason i want to start and that is with. So tell me all about Ben Roethlisberger, right? It's what it's. That's what it's all about. What's he look like? Uh, how much does he weigh? How far is he throwing the ball? What's his beard status? Like what? Where are we well, at with Ben Roethlisberger?
2: Well, Paul, you, if you don't know, and I don't know how uh, up the current events you guys are in Cincinnati, but Ben has now has a documentary out that he has now released two parts of it already. So it goes in depth from his injury last year up until now. It's a, quite a fascinating piece. Uh, I think it's either three or four parts there, so I should tell you all you need to know about Ben's uh, mindset right now, which is, you I did ask him the other day. That's very out of character for him because he really doesn't really seek out the attention. He doesn't really try to uh do like, you know, sponsorships and, and commercials and stuff like that and doesn't really like to talk about himself. But he got a, a nice mini series going on. Oh, you should check it out. I think it's called Ben's Back or I don't know, it's on YouTube, whatever. And I'm not getting paid to promote this. But as for the way I've seen it, I tell you, I was a little skeptical of the elbow too, because it was three tendons tore off the bone. Never really quite happened to any other quarterback before. And, uh, I was skeptical of how he was going to throw the bone, how he's come back. But after watching him for three weeks, there probably shouldn't even be a mention about the elbow anymore. I mean, everything, he looks actually better throwing the ball now than he's done throughout his entire career. And mind you, we're now 10, 11 months out from surgery. A loss is there, accuracy is there. Um, He can throw the deep ball. I mean, the smarts are still there. It's probably the best I've seen him probably for a decade. Right now, he's gotten to shape, shaved the beard, got some kind of uh, little kid haircut. I don't know what they call it. They, like, they, um shave a line in the side of your head or something. I didn't want to tell him he's 38 and not eight. But uh, <laughs> he, he looks like a, a little punky kid going to middle school. But and Maybe it's a midlife crisis, but uh, he looks pretty good there, Paul. Well, I mean, and, and,
0: because I don't think – here's the thing about that is that I don't think anybody – had any doubt or should have any doubts about the rest of the team. I mean, maybe you can speak obviously more specifically to that, but, you know, it was the only thing really missing from last year was the passing game. I mean, you you had a defense that had – finally built itself back together and was one of the best in the league. And obviously the Minka Fitzpatrick thing helped that. But, you know, it was just clearly this was a team that was rudderless without its quarterback. And if the quarterback is back, it seems like people just have – people so quickly forget about teams. Do you get the sense that people kind of forgot about the Steelers? Because it's amazing how little we hear them in these conversations when you consider, hey, a real quarterback and a number one defense might win a lot of games.
2: Yeah, I mean, the thing is, I don't know how many people are sold on him being back to his old self. They see February pictures of him looking like a mountain man at a West Virginia basketball game. <laughs> and I think, you know, they read Jake Glazer saying that all he does is drink beer and, you know, whatever he says. Does a couple stretches and that's his workouts for the for the day. But what's well, wrong with I, that, by the way? I know. I mean, <laughs> if, I, if if that would work for me, oh, I'd be I'd be slim, fit, and trim myself. But <laughs> he uh, the problem was last year exactly right. I mean, not only did you lose your hall of fame, probably hall of fame quarterback, six quarters in, you, you replaced him with basically. A guy, a true rookie, being Mason Rudolph, and even though he wasn't a rookie by number, but he really was. His rookie year, he didn't get a helmet, he never dressed, he barely practiced because he was a third string guy. He didn't have any they didn't they decided they didn't need a quarterback coach. So his only reps were like virtual reality his rookie year. He was just totally lost. Then you throw him in six quarters in and say so go win some ball games, it doesn't work that way. I mean he was decent until Miles Garrett bopped him over the head, then he lost some confidence, then he got hurt, then you throw Doug Hodges, a guy that nobody even wanted as an undrafted free agent last year, and he had to come with him as a tryout just to be able to get on the team. And it just changes so much, just the little things. I mean Rothesford can go to the line, check plays, change You know, uh, blocking assignments, uh, go run pass option, make a little hand gesture, and and somebody knows where to throw it at. I mean, just different things like that that were totally non-existent last year because you had two guys that basically ran a play, and that was it. Defenses knew it, stacked the box, there goes Connor, there goes the running game. Then you had a bunch of injuries with Juju and Deontay. It was just an absolute mess. I mean, they were like 30th in offense. Put it this way, with Roethlisberger in 2018, they were the number one ranked red zone team in the NFL. Last year, they were 32nd. So not much has changed except the quarterback. So just those little things. It just help the offense
0: out tremendously. Yeah. I mean, is there, so I mean, if you're looking at what, if we're talking about what the weak point is, what, what the concern is with this team, where, where is it?
2: Probably the offensive line. Um, just for the fact that they lost their veteran left guard, Ramon Foster, to retirement. So they tried, they're going to, they moved their right tackle to left guard, having a position battle at right tackle with Zach Banner and Tuso core for Guys that barely played in this league. And now the Castro has been hurt all of training camp. There's not a lot of cohesion there. So that's a little bit of iffiness when you consider uh what the problem is on offense. Defense, you would probably just be depth at inside linebacker. They're okay with Devin Boyce's phenomenal. He had a phenomenal rookie year. 10th overall pick. Vince Williams and guys. But behind behind that, it's a huge drop-off. And they'll be fine if those guys stay healthy. But if a guy like Devin Bush gets injured, it almost reminds me of the the free fall they had, would have, did have, and could have this year when Ryan Fazier got hurt in Cincinnati. They never had anybody to replace him. The defense just fell apart after that. So they have pretty much... They're starting at eleven, twelve, thirteen with nickels and dime guys. Pretty secure. But if you get that one key injury to the position, especially inside linebacker, then I think they're in trouble.
0: Yeah, I mean, but they certainly weren't last year. I mean that that deep the fact that the fact that we were talking about Pittsburgh winning games you know I, I remember talking about when they traded for Mika Fitzpatrick people thinking what are they doing they they could be ruining their chance to get Joe Burrow or Tua a and and it was that was the whole talk at that point because they clearly were screwed but yet that defense you know damn near carried them uh to a to a playoff spot I mean it seems like um they're in position to do that same thing again yeah.
2: They're 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 pretty solid. I mean, they lost Davon Hargrave to the Eagles for I think three years and forty million dollars, but they got. A veteran to replace him there. I mean, you got Hayward, who's an all pro. You got Toad, who missed, who was absolutely tremendous the first five games last year before he tore his pec of muscle. He's coming back. Everybody else is returning. Steven Nelson, they signed from the Chiefs last year. Probably should have been a pro bowler. That's how nobody would even throw the ball his way. Hayden was a pro bowler, but this defense rose with those two outside guys. Dupree and especially T.J. Watt. You thought T.J. Watt was good last year. He had 14 and a half. Zach, just wait till this year. The guy is just, just unblockable. In training camp, he's just got the speed. He got the hands. He got the smarts. He got the, you know, the Watt brain, so to speak, football brain of know what to do. And This guy is truly, truly a superstar in this league. And as long as they keep getting pressure. There's turnovers are going to come. They went from, I think, 12 turnovers created in 18 to, like, 25. I think they're a plus 13, 14 from last year to go along with another 50-plus sack season. So there's big thoughts about the defense here being able to puff. There's another layer to this all. Now, I think they only played with a lead last year, maybe eight. 18 minutes all game, all year it was pretty much down to the wire so they weren't able, able to really let loose on things with the offense this year should make the defense better this is all in the perfect world here we know things don't happen that way but on paper the defense should be really good
0: yeah, well, I guess we'll see. I mean, you look around, you look around the North. Obviously, Baltimore is going to be good. It's, you know, you never know with the Browns. I mean, you, you think they're good, but every year they're not. And, uh, you know, the Bengals are very unproven and young and, and they're trying to be trying to put a rookie quarterback out there, even if he's, a, a polished Heisman winner, uh, you know, in the, in the, without any preseason or anything else. So it's a, it's a, it's a tall order, man. It's a tough, uh, the North's as tough as it's ever been, uh, in, in my opinion, I mean, it, we, we've seen it be a pretty tough division for a while, but I think um, with the Browns kind of returning to a little bit of relevancy and maybe the Bengals finding something yeah. in Borough, um, it's, it's it's a tough you
2: one. Know, you know, Paul, it's always been basically a two-team division. If it was Pittsburgh, Cincinnati, Pittsburgh, Baltimore, Baltimore, Cincinnati, we'll leave Cleveland out of this yeah. for the most part. <laughs> but it's always been a two-team sort of top-heavy, bottom-heavy type of division. Um, Thing when it comes to the division. This year could be a lot different. Like you said, I mean, Cincinnati might have some issues here, but man, their field position, I'm going to tell you, is probably up there with some of the best in the league right there. Uh, Cleveland, as you said, they got all the talent in the world, too, if they can just get their heads were screwed on straight, right? And Baltimore's Baltimore. And I mean, this actually finally could be more than a two team division. I know there were some outliers there when there might have been three teams that were pretty decent, but I can see this being a tough, tough division where if you go, you know, three and three in the division tune into the division, that might do it
0: for you. Yeah, we we shall see. I uh, I certainly look forward to it. Bengals Bengals and Steelers don't hate each other as much as they used to. A lot of those key players have now uh, sh- have been shown the door since then. But uh, we beat, still
2: beat them a couple of times and see how much that
0: rivalry comes back. <laughs> yeah, when you when you lose <laughs> ten in a row, uh, there's not a whole lot of uh, reason for anyone to have anything but animosity. But uh, yeah, little brother goes to take on Big Brother on November 15th in Pittsburgh. And then uh, Big Brother comes to see Little Brother on December 21st.
2: <laughs> and, and, and people are making fun of me, hating me, and you're calling him Big Brother, Little Brother. It has
0: been a complex around here for a very, very long time. The, the Bengals have never been able to consistently beat the Steelers, and it drives this fan base nuts, as it should. It should drive the franchise more nuts than it does organizationally. Uh, but it, Because the thing was, even Even in the good years, the Bengals always had a Steelers problem, and every big win that they've had here over the last two decades has basically been over the Steelers, the ones that are memorable, the ones that signify that this team is actually maybe a decent one year in and year out, whether you go back to the beginning of... Early in 15 or 05 or 09, these years when the Bengals won the division, it was signified by big wins over the Steelers because that is the barometer here always.
2: That 15 playoff game, I guess it was in January 16. Yep mean, I, I could hunt a franchise for decades.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it is the it, it was the defining night of probably the last thirty years of Bengals football. Definitely the last decade. I mean, you could hinge everything. Everything was great. Five straight years of playoffs. You know, they had one of the deepest rosters in the NFL. From that point forward, we are where we are today. They haven't won anything since. So uh, they're, they're, it was, I, I mean, the craziest night I've ever been a part of. uh
2: I was back on deadline days. Oh, It was a Saturday game.
0: And deadline it, had no shot.
2: It was like they were going to win. As a Steelers point of view, they were going to win. They were going to lose. They are going to win. Joey Porter, hold on, kick a field goal. What's going on? And here's one of the stories, Pope. If you hit send, then you don't read it the next day because no. it's that
0: bad. Yeah, you know it's you, you you know it's totally indecipherable. I actually have somewhere. I have the story because I pre wrote in case the Bengals won because it had been since 1990 that they'd won a playoff game longest drought. And I, I so I wanted to have a kind of a lead associated with that pre written that I'd done some research on. And I wrote that and I put that on top. And I had the whole story ready to go before Jeremy Hill fumbled. That lives. I have it. I said one day I. Should should publish it just as a uh, just as a what could have been sort of an alternative reality uh, of the actual winning game story I had the winning and losing game story and I was toggling between one and the other
2: and I accidentally started writing the winning story on top of the losing story, so it was absolutely <laughs> coherent, incoherent.
0: It was unbelievable. Uh, that's fantastic. All right, well, we'll see. We'll see where this ends up this year. I, I don't know that I'll see you this year, but uh, I'm sure that we'll talk as it uh, comes closer. we we'll on play. Zoom. Yeah, it seems to be popular nowadays. Very popular. Yeah, can't wait for uh, all of our Zoom, Zooms, and the computers that we do them on to be thrown in the trash as soon as possible. So. <laughs> all right, Mark. I appreciate it, brother.
2: I see you up on the uh, up on the bridge one day. Uh, hey,
0: if you hey if you ever want to come to Cincinnati, uh, you can always come hop up on the bridge. We're uh, we're around.
2: I did see that photo on Getty. It was uh, it was two couple fans, you and Jay. Huh? Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> How about that? Yeah, made the wire. That's like a li- that's a life accomplishment right there. <laughs> only because I think only because uh, some dude dressed up like a Star Wars guy came and stood next to us, so made me quite it uncomfortable. Was was that was, was Jay. Jay. Yeah, that was Jay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, all right, Mark, I appreciate it. We will uh, we will talk to you soon. Enjoy Pittsburgh. All right, Jay. Mark reports Ben Roethlisberger looks great. I that is that is the kind of thing the that conversation there made me think that the AFC North is the best division in football. The
2: Ravens I would agree are gonna be that. great.
0: The Ravens are gonna be I mean the Ravens have Lamar and they're gonna be great. We heard from Jeff Zriebeck uh on the first on the episode last uh, on Monday uh about how good you know they should be. The Steelers are gonna have Ben Roethlisberger healthy looking healthy, throwing it as good as he has in a long time, and maybe the number one defense in football, at least they were last year. I mean, that's a scary top. The Browns, you know, whatever. They got talent. The Bengals should be better, and we know why the Bengals should be better. Make me an argument for a different, maybe NFC West. NFC West, I'd buy. But, I mean, I think it's the best division in the AFC, top to bottom.
1: Yeah, for sure. Because like Cleveland's roster is really good. And the only question there is, you know, a first year coach again, how's, how's that going to play out? Um, and, and yeah, the, the Bengals are going to be, we assume that much better. Baltimore was as good as it gets last year. They just kind of flamed out in the playoffs. I wonder about Ben though. I, I just it, as great as he looks right now. He has an injury history and he's getting older. And you know what? Like you asked me before the percentage on Joe Mixon playing that final year of his contract. What what percentage would you put on Ben Roethlisberger playing 14 games this year or 15 games this year? I, I, mean, I wouldn't put yeah, that but, very high. It,
0: true. I mean, his style has made him injured a lot. Um, we know the injury history for sure. But, I mean, quarterbacks just, you can, these guys can protect themselves if they just play it safe back there now. But Brady's 45! (laughs) I mean, these, it's like, it can be done. And, you know, I just think 70%, 75% that he plays 14-plus games. I mean, quarterbacks can sit back there and throw it and not really take a lot of hits. They can. So, you know. And if and if that they do, and if if you match that up with the number one defense in football, potentially, that's a, it's a frightening concept, man. I think the the Steelers are probably more for real than people give them credit for. Like like Mark said, probably because Ben looked like a crazy West Virginia mountain man back in March, and that's the last thing that people remember. So it's like, I don't know. I I just I have a hard time. Saying, I mean, are we gonna say the AFC
1: West
0: maybe
2: is better? Yeah.
1: I don't know how good Denver's gonna be. Yeah, how
0: good's Denver? Drew Locke. I mean, it was that real? Was that fiction? I don't know. I mean, I you know, I'm not I don't know how much I'm buying all that. I mean, Kansas City obviously can makes them top heavy, but um you know, LA has Tyrod Taylor or Justin Herbert. I'm not buying that. As much as good Oakland's as the a mystery. Is. you know, yeah, I the Raiders who Raiders are—I don't know. Like they should be better, maybe. I don't know. They were seven and nine last year, and John Gruden wants to shoot Derek Carr to the moon. So <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I—I—I I, I would say AFC North best in the AFC, and if the Bengals are better, like you think they can be, you could make an argument that it's it might be as good as the NFC West. But
1: we'll see. Yeah, we. We will see. At the end of the year, add up what what the uh, non-division records are for each division. and I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him at the top. The, the, the one thing about Pittsburgh and, and Ben is, well, maybe maybe the Bengals would be the answer to this question, but is there another team that has a bigger drop-off from its starting quarterback to its backup? I mean, that's what went wrong last year. Pittsburgh had that number one defense, and yet they weren't that good of a team because they, they had nothing at quarterback behind Ben and that's still kind of the case. Um, So he, he is the absolute key to that team. If he stays healthy. Yes. I thought last year they would have been a a terrific team had he stayed healthy. I picked him to win the division last year. Um, But I, I, you just, once you get to that certain age and you've got the injury history and Ben, you, you mentioned Brady Brady doesn't extend play. Ben loves to extend plays because he's so good at it and that's where a lot of that danger comes in. He, he holds the ball longer than he should. That, that'll be the interesting thing to watch is if he's changed his philosophy. who cares how good he looks physically? Has he changed his philosophy of quick drops, get rid of the ball at right now and not try to extend plays and, and open yourself up to, to more risk of it only takes one shot to to you know knock a whole season off schedule.
0: That is true. We will talk more about this next week. Season preview, season prediction episode coming up next week. Very excited about that. Game week. So we'll be talking Chargers, we'll be talking season preview. Uh, we will look in, we'll take one last glance at the roster cutdown that was this weekend and um we're going to be all in on this season. So we'll we'll see um I'm really looking forward to one of my favorite episodes all year so we really kind of dive into the big picture um, and the specifics of the season. I have I am very close I'm going to say I'm still teetering between two wins between a between one record and another and in in my official season prediction it's going to come out next week so I' I'm, as I go through it, I'm teetering back and forth. I'm, I'm not, I need something to push me one way or the other. I'm not sure what it's going to be. I need a sign from above or below, really anywhere. It could come from anywhere. Uh, so that's coming up next week. Of course, uh, we'll have all the wrap up of the weekend. Uh, if you are a subscriber to the athletic, thank you. Uh, look for all of our coverage of this weekend's cuts and signings and what they mean coming your way. Um, uh, if you're not a subscriber, Hey, we, we would love to have you aboard. Uh, you can give, of course, always come on take a test drive with a seven day free trial at all your links. If you want to just come check it out for a week and you can dip out if you don't want to, or hopefully we decide that you should stick around. I mean, the NFL season's starting, so what better time than now, right? Better time than now. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We appreciate you listening to the growler.
1: And, hey, do you want to sneak in a growler bet? Ooh, just for fun? Yeah. Well, it is the growler episode.
0: It is the growler episode. We should we should sneak in a growler bet. You're right.
1: Uh, all right. Well, sneak in. What do you got? All right? how about – they've got the expanded practice squads this year, 16 guys, um, and they're allowed to have – six of those can be guys with any experience whatsoever. So if they wanted to, they could put Kevin Huber on the practice squad with 12 years of experience. So what will the total number of years of experience be when they announce their 16-man practice squad on Sunday at noon? Okay.
0: Uh, do you have your number? I, I've I, I've got I've got mine. Um, yeah, I think I've I think I've got mine. So so you go ahead and tell me yours.
1: I've I've got mine. I went ahead. I just looked at the, my predicted practice squad that I had in, in my fifty three man roster projection. Even though the day after that published, they cut two of my practice squad guys. But it doesn't <laughs> mean they can't bring them back, and it doesn't mean they won't replace them with somebody with similar experience. So so my number is twenty nine. Ha! I have thirty. Uh, okay. All right. So we're very close. That's good. That makes for a good
0: over/under of twenty-nine and a half. For what that number ends up, I like that. I like that. I yeah. I kind of you figure. I figure them that most of their ten men will be probably one year of experience, then maybe throwing a sprinkle in a couple others, and then you look at six guys that can have any experience. I average that out to about three, three a piece. You know, maybe one longer, maybe a couple, maybe one it's a little shorter. I don't know but I saw so i I'll say 30. I like that.
1: Yeah. You know, the timing of this rule is terrible for the Bengals. If this had been a year earlier, we would have avoided the entire Cordy Glenn situation because they could have just put Cordy Glenn on the practice squad and said, okay, you're making $192,000. And I, I think then the, uh, the, the concussion might have magically disappeared because uh, <laughs> they they can do that this year. You can put a guy with any experience on, and he'd and, have
0: to agree to go to the practice squad. And well, I think he the could. only place
1: Cordy Glenn was agreeing to go to last year was KFC was the ba- and the bathroom
0: and the bathroom. <laughs> that's a his, fact. His, his little that's office. A fact. That's a yeah. fact. Uh, all right, so that's our that's our growler bet for this week. We'll see where that number turns out. It should be fun to watch. Uh, Again, thanks, everybody, for listening. And we will talk to you uh, next week. Hear that podcast ground.